Well, welcome back to episode seven of our Heaven series podcast. This is a podcast where we are exploring what it means to live in the light of heaven, how we can hope in heaven, and what heaven is actually going to look like. And I'm joined by Chris. Hello, Chris. Hey, Becky. Great to be back for day seven. It's exciting. Yeah, we've got, uh, we're going to an interesting place today. We Perhaps are. Perhaps one of the most difficult books of the Bible to understand and comprehend. Is that fair? It's certainly the most, um, how can I put this? I, I want to say trippy, but I'm worried about saying that on a church <laughs> podcast. I've said it now. Yes. Yeah, so um, today we are headed into, it's actually the final book in the Bible and it's called Revelation. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's called it's you have different genres in the Bible, right? Different types of writings. And that can be sometimes where we stumble when we're reading the Bible. We think it's all going to be the same kind of writing, but they're actually different. And this one is is um, a kind of writing that we might refer to as Jewish apocalyptic writing. Mm. So this was something a kind of writing that was quite common or surfacing in the 100 years before Jesus and the 100 years after Jesus. And it kind of came out of this time where because the Jewish people were under Roman occupation, there was this sense of like something quite cataclysmic going on in the world. Like there was a lot of tension in the air, a lot of conflict, and it kind of it got a lot of people thinking about some kind of end point in history and some intervention of God and apocalyptic writing is characterized by these very strange, almost mythical kind of imagery. And it's intentionally cryptic. It's intentionally uh, quite, it jars quite a lot with reality. So you'll hear imagery and stuff that doesn't match with anything we could actually see on earth, like seven-eyed beasts and all sorts of interesting things. I read a great quote this week, Chris, about the book of Revelation. And um, it was a guy who was particularly saying he was sort of giving a little warning to anyone who read some uh, interpretations of mm. Revelation just to be careful because people can get a little bit wild when they start reading Revelation. And it said uh, this is a quote by a guy called G.K. Chesterton. And he said, though, John, that's the guy who wrote Revelation, saw many strange monsters in his vision. He saw no creature so wild as one of his own commentators. <laughs> Yeah, people have, it's, it's absolutely true to say, isn't it, that people have wrestled with mm. trying to interpret this. And there are some crazy things out there, definitely, yes. on, yeah. on this. Is it just me, um, or, and this is very flippant, um, following your quite serious introduction, that whenever I think about this, I just think of like all those movies, Deep Impact, Armageddon, I Am yeah. Legend, all of it. Is there anybody else like, yeah. I don't know whether other people do that, but when I think of apocalyptic yes. stuff, that's the sort of yeah. um, genre of movies at least yeah. that come into my mind but anyway that's yeah. a, a slightly flippant kind of so, comment really. so can you help us set the scene for not not for armageddon but for what's actually going on in revelation and what brings about this book yeah well you're absolutely right so written, written by john the same john who uh, was an eyewitness to the life of jesus who wrote his account of uh, the life of jesus that's one of the four gospels uh, in the New Testament, um, he he. Uh, this is towards the end of his life. We think he's he's kind of he's in exile, really, isn't he? So he's he's being kind of how he's not like necessarily in prison, but he's being held on an island and not allowed to leave. So he's he's um, and he's facing the end of of his life. And um, these might be visions or dreams or, or or something that that he's writing down for us as he, I think, is reflecting on well. 
what's to come what 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 could be next um and as you rightly say um in that whole he's right he then writes that down in that whole kind of genre or style of this jewish apocalyptic kind of uh, literature so yeah that's the kind of place that we're in so it requires some careful thinking for us it definitely requires us to know what we're reading and that we're reading uh, this kind of stuff and to be very careful, particularly about like literal interpretations of this, we've got to be really, really careful uh, about that. So, yeah, I, that's kind of where we're at, I think. And yeah. um, we, we are, though, going to a part of Revelation that, that is perhaps one of the most important parts when it comes to understanding what heaven is going to be like. And it tells us some very important things about that. So we're going to try and, and dig into this style of writing. Uh, but with this kind of question in our minds, well, what is heaven going to be like and what is God's plan for heaven? Um, and that's the kind of question that we're trying to uh, address today. And this is a really important uh, piece of, of um, the Bible in, in trying to understand that a little bit. So you're going to read it for us today from yes. Revelation chapter 21. Okay, so um, feel free to listen along if you're driving or walking or but if you're at home, if you want to grab a digital or physical copy of the Bible and read along. That's cool too. So we're going Revelation 21 verse 1 to 7 and it says, Then I saw, so this is John speaking, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Brilliant. Well, I think there's a couple of phrases or words that we should just unpack before we get to our question, uh, next question about what's the point of all of this. And the first one is uh, in in the very first verse where he says that there was no longer any sea. And I think it's really important that we understand in a lot of Bible literature, actually, and certainly in the culture of the day, the sea was a kind of an allegory for uh, suffering, chaos, disorder, you know, those kind of things. We see it often in the Psalms, uh, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament poems. The word sea was was used as a kind of imagery of, of maybe a, a dark force coming against the people of God, maybe an invading army, literally, you know, in, in the case of some of those uh, Psalms. It's used elsewhere in the, in the Bible to mean that kind of stuff. So, Again, I think that's not necessarily about a literal sea here that we're talking about. So I don't think John is trying to paint a picture for us of in heaven there'll be no water. 
I think what he's saying is there'll be no no longer any of that stuff, that suffering, chaos, disorder, you know, that that kind of stuff. There'll be no monsters were considered to sort of like come out of the sea. Yeah. So that again, none of that sort of stuff, that evil stuff will be present. So I think it's quite important that we understand that word in particular. Um Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because this is we're talking about a time when um, they didn't have large cruise liners yeah. that could quite effortlessly move through the water. So yeah. the sea is a dangerous yes. place to be. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then the other one I was wondering if you could unpack for us, Becky, in the sixth verse, we're told about this Alpha and Omega thing. So just in case people weren't sure of what Alpha and Omega was, can yes. you unpack that for us a little bit? So this is not Jesus saying that he is the complete range of vitamin supplements. This is... <laughs> this is um, very simply, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of the alphabet in, in Greek. Yeah. So he is saying, I. he's saying what he then follows up yeah. to say, I am the beginning and the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, commonly used kind of thing, because Greek, uh, this was a lot of this was written in Greek, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, yeah. the, the total range, I guess. Is that, yeah. Good. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about context. We've talked about some of those key words that maybe just need a little bit of unpacking. So then we get to the question, well, what's the point of all of this then? What what, what are we to take from this vision or picture that John has of what heaven might be like? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Thoughts. Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll join yeah. in in a minute, yeah. but yeah, you go first. Yeah, so um, it's... So that key phrase right at the beginning, a new heaven and a new earth. And this is something we've already talked about a few times in this podcast, that the promise of heaven that we read about in the New Testament, the writings after Jesus, are not just a promise of something that will happen separate to earth that happens after we die, but a promise of a restoration, a new order, a new way of things on earth as well as in heaven. And that here we have this picture from John that he receives through this vision from God of God coming down and making his rule on earth and setting up earth in a brand new way. And the biggest difference will be the intimacy that we experience with our Heavenly Father, that we will be able to see him and he will interact with us in a way that we haven't experienced before that it talks about him wiping tears from my from our eyes of and then you get this incredible I almost got a bit emotional reading it the to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life so it's God becoming our ultimate source of life we won't go anywhere there won't be any intermediaries we go straight to God yeah what do you think? Yeah, no, I I, I love that. I, yeah, a couple of things that you you've alluded to, which which I'd written down in some of my notes as well. Uh, a new heaven and a new earth. So earth is still included there. So it's not like earth passes away and there's just this thing called heaven. No, a, a new earth implies that there is still an earth. And I think again, that's a really really important thing for us to grasp that that the future heaven. Uh, looks like a restored earth, a, a heaven and an earth coming together uh, where God is at the centre and the heart. And we're going to unpack that more in another passage from Revelation 
a little bit later on uh, in this podcast. Um, and at the centre of it is going to be this holy city, this new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem being the centre of the Jewish faith. So this city is going to be the, the centre and the source of, of life. And again, we're going to unpack that more in a few days' time. Um, yeah, and I love that intimate picture of, of God which you you rightly reference that god is is going to be right at the center of all of this he's going to be the source of life and of healing and of restoration but he's also going to be close enough to us to wipe the tears from our eyes yeah you know i think we again if, if maybe if you've been a christian you've been around church for a while or maybe you've been to a funeral and even if you're not a person of faith and you've heard that picture presented of there being no more death or mourning or crying or pain but actually god is right there wiping the tears from our eyes dealing very intimately with the 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 pain and the suffering that that we may have experienced and and i think that's an amazing picture actually as you write say quite an emotional uh, picture the other key point that strikes me we've kind of alluded to already but a couple of times in verse 3 this idea of dwelling is used and um, john uses that elsewhere in his writings in fact he starts his very first book the his his account of the life of jesus talking about dwelling and 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 again that dwelling is a really intimate picture when he talks about it in uh his first book in 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 uh, john's gospel um the word he uses for there like means to camp out or hang out or and and i love that picture you know if any if any of our listeners ever been camping you know, it's quite an intimate experience, even with the people that you don't know who are on True. the next pitch to you, right? Because there's only a little bit of canvas between you and them. So you can overhear most of the conversations and all that kind of stuff. And that that's the picture, I think, of God coming and kind of pitching his tent with us, camping out with us, hanging out with us. Now, that happened first in the in the human form of Jesus that John references in his account of the life of Jesus. But here now, there's another dwelling. There's another God coming down as heaven and earth join and God camping out once again with human beings, with all of that intimacy and stuff. And that really struck me as I was reading through this again, this quite consistent thing for John between his first book and this last book of the of the Bible. Um, and just that that picture of God right at the heart of it hanging out with us I, I love that idea yeah so we've been asking these questions what's the context what's the point then we ask what's the difference mm. what difference does this make to us right now yeah yeah, yeah. well I, I i mean for me it just brings immense hope and encouragement and a real smile to my face when i when i think about this it it's I think it, it can bring a huge comfort to us when we are in the midst of the sufferings and pains of this life, uh, that prospect of, of again, I, I love that, that there's a recognition here that in this life there is death and suffering and mourning and crying and pain. Uh, so it's not to diminish that now, but that prospect of a future where where that's gone. We don't even remember that stuff that's wiped away. God is intimately wiping away that stuff uh, from us, taking that stuff from us. Um, I I think that brings an, an immense hope and means that we don't have to grieve or suffer or go through the things of this life without any hope uh, and without that prospect of one day, this all being done and us not experiencing that. That For me, that 
that makes a huge difference when I think about the suffering in my own life or the people that I've lost in my own life. That that prospect um, brings a huge hope and comfort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes me think of, um, there's a brilliant quote by C.S. Lewis, who's most famously known for writing the Chronicles of Narnia, but was also an, an incredible theologian. So he spent a lot of time thinking about God, writing about God, writing about what it means to be a Christian. And um, when I look at this passage in Revelation, there's something quite deep within me that resonates with this picture that, that that's that is what I long for and that's what I feel like the world should be and I don't know if this is just me but when I read it I feel like there's something very deep within me that was made for this picture and that C.S. Lewis says this quote if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world and when we read a picture like this and something within us thinks, yeah, this is what things should be like. And we, we do kind of believe that anyway, don't we? That when we see death and mourning and crying and pain and when we see people thirsting and having nothing to drink, whether literally or metaphorically people who are have desires and can't find them being fulfilled and can't find contentment and happiness and don't we see that? all over our nation at the moment people who are thirsty and don't seem to be able to find what they need to drink and I'm talking metaphorically obviously like does that not make us question maybe I am made for somewhere different maybe I am made for a world where those things I really do feel a desire for within me do exist and I always think whether we're a believer or not it's so interesting that we feel a sense that that is how the world should be, even though we've never, ever seen it. We've never experienced the world looking like that. But we have this sense that that's how things should be. Yeah, I think that's really true, isn't it? And and actually, that's quite a big challenge to... Uh, an atheistic worldview or a worldview that says there, you know, there isn't a God or I don't believe in God or whatever. Well, why is there that thing in us then that knows this isn't how it should be you know why is it when we see something evil or we see something in the world that we we that that isn't good why why does that resonate so deeply with us if we're just animalistic beings um i think that's a big challenge to that that worldview and again we may have people listening to us today who would who would come from from that place and uh, as gently as we possibly can do it we want to say well how are you wrestling that down then what, what would be an answer to that question um, because whether you believe the christian worldview or not we have an answer to that question of um, why does this resonate so deeply in us when we see suffering or pain or anguish why doesn't it feel right you know well, why are we saying this isn't right well maybe it's because as you rightly say we, we're destined for something else and there is um, something coming that puts all that um to rights yeah yeah yeah. did you want to say anything more about this before we move on to the the tweet um well um, yeah only and and again you you can stop me here becky if you like but this this really interests me this this idea of this parallel between uh, john writing about jesus coming to earth sometimes called the incarnation and this 
prospect of another incarnation if you like of, of another joining of heaven and earth together and um uh, tom wright sometimes called nt wright who we've recommended his book surprised by hope also has written lots of uh, bible commentaries on on various books of the bible and he says this about this which i think is really interesting this is what john's gospel so talking about the first book says about jesus says the word became flesh and lived dwelt Pitch his, pitched his tent, tabernacled in our midst, and we gazed upon his glory. What God did in Jesus, coming to an unknowing world and an unwelcoming people, he is doing on a cosmic scale. He is coming to live forever in our midst, a healing, comforting, celebrating presence. And I love that. What God did in, in one human being, who was also God, Jesus, he's going to do on a cosmic scale when he uh, comes and this new heaven and new earth come together and join together in, in the prospect for eternity. I, I love that. Yeah. So what, what Jesus, so God came in the person of Jesus. Some people looked at him and saw, yeah, that's the savior of the world. Yes. Some people looked at him and saw somebody they didn't want to associate with. Yes. He was killed on a cross, rose, and his disciples recognized that he, you know, this is incredible that John would eventually write a book where Jesus's words are, I am the alpha and the omega. This yeah. is somebody John, you know, knew as a man who yeah. sweated and got tired and, you know, and was hung on a cross. Yeah. So Jesus came, dwelt amongst us as a person and that one day God will come in all of his glory yeah. and he'll be on a throne and it's going to be a very different kind of introduction to who God is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 That's, I think it's really exciting. And, mm. and I, I, I love those pictures. That <laughs> you agree. I'm glad you think that's exciting. <laughs> God will one day wipe the tears from our eyes and yeah. there'll be no more death. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I hope that, 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 again, we talk about what's the difference. Mm. I hope, you know, it, it, will, it will make a difference if this stirs excitement in us, mm. if, we, if we just think about this for a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So what's the tweaks? This is a tough one today. Um, go on, you go first. What's, what's your what tweet? What is the tweet? That God is coming to live with us. And when we live with him, everything will be as it should be. Yeah, great. No, I'm stealing yours. With the, and the only exception I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because I love the words, I'm going to change live with us to hang out with us dwell with us pitch his tent with us yeah. go camping with us no. oh yeah god is going to come and people, camp out with us some people on this podcast are like i don't like camping i don't want to do it well, for I, an eternity i've done a lot of camping and i don't mm. want to do it anymore yeah. but uh, i love that H hanging out dwelling with us kind of idea yeah. so i'm stealing yours but just changing that those words yeah. great good. so what's what could be next um yeah well for me the the what's next question is about this being a source of comfort in our struggles and an excitement about the prospect of heaven. So I don't know how you phrase that into a kind of what what's next. Maybe something like next time I'm struggling, I'm going to think about, reflect, read again this promise of what's to come. And next time I want to, to feel excited about my faith, I'm going to think about these words and think about what, what's coming and what an amazing yeah, prospect that. that is. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, to me, the, the what's next is the what's next, as in what's next is to think about what's next. Yeah. And especially, you know, I'm a big crier. So knowing that one day God's going to come and wipe the tears from my eyes, 
that is a huge comfort to me when I'm feeling emotional and when I'm having a difficult day. And um, we hope that's true for you and whatever you're walking through at the moment that, um, yes, things may be incredibly painful right now and this doesn't take away from that at all, does it? But that firstly, God sees he's got a plan to do something about it. And, you know, we may have to wait, but he has got a plan one day to come and wipe the tears from our eyes and to make it so that there's no more reason to cry anymore. So, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great place to leave it for today. I reckon so. I reckon so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really hope everybody will join us for uh, day eight of, mm. uh, of our podcast and hope that this has been a help to people today. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope, yeah, look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Good stuff. <laughs> Never know how to finish. <laughs>